All right, guys, welcome. Uh, we're doing the Sunday podcast as usual. So today we have Lee Penman, who is going to join us today. Uh, we're going to cover, he's been in the bodybuilding scene for quite some time, and uh, we're going to talk about how bodybuilding has changed, I guess, since, you know, I, I, I got into it about the early 90s. So I, I'll tell you, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was, I can remember. Dorian had just left, so it was probably – oh, shoot, it was before then because Ronnie Coleman didn't win until 98. So it was before then, and um, I remember seeing Jay Cutler in the original Muscle Tech ads and the Hammer Strength ads, like when he was just getting big. That's when I started really getting into it. So, And I know it has changed a lot since then. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're also going to talk about – um, because this is also a topic that I've seen come up a few times in the news and, and um, is transgender athletes competing in like performance sports versus um, like figure competitions and stuff, the physique versus performance, I guess you would say, because I've, I've experienced some of that on both ends and we're going to share our opinions on that stuff. So Lee, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself, you know, talk about your background and everything. Go ahead. Hi, well, my name is Lee Penman. Uh, my background was originally in the music industry. I was a music journalist in the UK. Then I became involved in the bodybuilding world, just basically because at that time I was working out. And at that time I was also horribly anorexic. <laughs> I mean, like terribly anorexic. For, I was anorexic for almost 30 years in total of my life. And, um, and I decided I was going to get involved in the bodybuilding world because then I would be able to learn things from bodybuilders and via doing interviews because there's always a reason for me doing everything. <laughs> so uh, my first interviewee was Carolyn Cheshire, who at that time was one of the top bodybuilders in the UK. And uh, I did it under the pretext of having an interview set up with a bodybuilding magazine, which under, at that time I didn't, had no contacts in that industry whatsoever. But that's how I always start, you know? It's like act as if until. And... Um, so I, I spoke to her and then I, I sort of got uh, like encouraged to uh, go ahead and because coming from an anorexic background, it was like, it was like, if you start building muscle, you gain weight, but it's not like fat, you know? So to me, that seemed much more acceptable. It's like, I, I actually am, I, I see a lot of people coming from anorexia to bodybuilding. And I, I think it's because in, you're literally, I mean, they may not want to admit this, but you're literally swapping one form of control for another. Because as you know yourself, what's more controlled than you're, you're, you're checking how many carbs you have, how many grams of protein you have, how many grams of fat you have, you know? So I went from having a calorie diet a diary to having a grams diary, <laughs> you know? So I just got involved in it that way. And then I started writing for, first of all, Body Power, which was the Arnold Schwarzenegger sanctioned magazine run by uh, Diane and Wag Bennett in the UK. Uh, they were two of the main bodybuilding people in I, I would compare them to, you have the Weeders over here. We had the Bennetts over there. And okay. Man and Wag actually brought Arnold to the UK. I, I, I still say to this day, if it wasn't for Diane and Wag, we wouldn't even know who Arnold Schwarzenegger was, you know? Because they, they took him over from Austria, they nurtured him, and they created the bodybuilder and made him who he, who he was, you know? And so I, I started writing for their magazine, and um, then I got into all the other, because at that time, there weren't a lot of people writing about bodybuilding. It was actually at the same time Peter McGough was writing for Muscle & Co. And I, I was, with, Mus I was in, uh, with Muscle & Co. with Peter, and, and Bodybuilding Monthly was out. I was in there too. And then we did a spin-off from Bodybuilding Monthly called Physiques International. I was one of the editors on there. So basically, every single bodybuilding magazine in the UK, I had a finger in, you know what I mean? I, I was writing for so uh, at times I was probably one of the most prolific bodybuilding writers at that time on the female sport because I focused on the female sport at that time. Okay. So that and a and a nut a, a big nutshell is my background. Okay, and you also um, did so you also did work for RX Muscle too, correct? Yes, that was when I when I came over to the USA. I had like about a few years where I, I, I was just working, you know, retail just to pay the bills, you know. I totally was out of the bodybuilding industry altogether. And then I went to see, uh, I think it was 2008 New York Pro. 
And at that point, I'd been, I'd been contacting Dave Palumbo a lot. <laughs> like, I think he would say hounding. <laughs> Writing to him all the time, like, I read your column, because at that time he was doing the, um, the, the anabolic, I can't remember what it was called now, the anabolic freak column in, uh, muscular, in muscular development. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, remember those? And I was reading them all, and I contacted them, you know, with a resume. <laughs> saying, I'm this writer. I used to write for all the magazines in the UK. You know, I haven't done it for a while, but I'm anxious to get back into it. So he said, well, we're, we're going to be at the New York Pro this weekend, so meet me there. So I went to the New York Pro 2008, met him then. At that time, his, his then fiance Colette, was competing. And he met me at the intermission and he said, you know, my fiance is working with me on Species Nutrition. We're just starting this nutrition company and uh, we're doing a newsletter. Would you like to get involved in that? You know, so I said, sure, you know. So then I started working with Colette on the newsletter. And then, of course, when the, the you know, when the proverbial shit hit the fan at Muscular Development and that all went down, it was um, Dave decided he was going to start his own website. And that was what was to become RX Muscle. So I still remember one day in his home in Long Island, uh, myself, Dave, John Romano, and Colette all sat in a room deciding what was gonna, what RX Muscle was going to be, you know? And so that was my start in RX. And I wrote for them for several years. That's, um, that's awesome, man. I actually, who won the New York Pro 2008? Was that when, um, when Senapani won, or was that, do you remember? Was that do you, do you remember? That one? Yeah, who won that one? I have no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, just, I, just I am the worst at shows. I am absolutely the worst at shows. I mean, I, I do like, remember it was the first time I'd met Beth Francis since I took her on a tour of Scotland yeah. uh, back in the 80s. And I remember the coolest thing is I went up to her at the entry and I said, you don't remember me, do you? And she goes, yes. And, you know, and at that time, she, she knew me. My name was Karen. And she went, and I went, wow, you know, <laughs> you remember. Yeah. She goes, how can I forget? <laughs> that was, so uh, I instantly kind of felt back at home again, you know. I felt yeah. accepted again, you know. And then, I, like I said, it, it spun off then, and I was doing regular stuff with RX. I was the staff writer, editor for the RX for, I, I don't know how long, maybe six years or something, something yeah. like that. I remember, um, as far as the species line, like, um, I'm a huge fan. All the clients that I train, we take all that stuff because I was, when he, when he first did the videos where he was um, in a gym doing, like, some small seminars talking about when he first started the company, I really liked his idea behind him. Like, I never thought fiber was such a big deal until I took his fiber lies, and now I, I will, I don't care. I will always have that. It's a staple. It makes just everything yeah. great. And, you know, his... Um, his supplement line is one of my preferred. All my clients, that's what I recommend first as a species line. But anyway, when you mentioned the old muscular development, man, I used to, and this goes into what I was going to ask you about the differences, how bodybuilding's changed, because muscular development, um, when, when I got into bodybuilding, I would read those cover to cover all the time because the internet really didn't have a lot of stuff on it. It was just coming out, and I would, used to be a machinist, and, and there's sometimes we're cutting tool steel and we're not doing shit forever, just waiting for it to feed across. So I'd sit there and just read all these articles, and I can, I can still to this day remember some of the crazy-ass lines that Lee Priest was saying in his articles. <laughs> like, just the hilarious stuff, but he always – I liked him because he always had really good points on stuff, but yeah, he had no filter at all, and I can remember, no, <laughs> I can remember verbatim the stuff he would say, but – you know, I, I really hate that magazine kind of went to shit because back in the mid, late 90s and stuff, like, you could learn so much reading this because it was more into – it wasn't like Flex where it was like, hey, cycle your carbs, you'll lose some weight. Like, they got into the – Well, it was the real thing. Yeah, they didn't yeah. – you know, they covered everything, even things that nobody wanted to talk about, you know? Yeah. Like steroids, you know what I mean? <laughs> they yeah. had whole articles on them, you know? And they, yeah. had the, they, they had the lawyers and the doctors and people from the yeah. backgrounds to put all the information in there. And it was an awesome. And they had all the Remember labels. Remember how it used to be? It used to be like a phone book. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like 300 and some pages every I know. It was, I mean, um, you needed to be muscular to pick it off the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was um, – that, uh, that used to be awesome. Now, um, yeah. now the, something – the reason I, I'd say that is because now with – there's so much, especially with the forums. I know people have said this before, but there is so much shit being put out. Like somebody loses 10 pounds and all of a sudden they, they mark themselves as this god of bodybuilding. 
and they'll go in the forums and even the ones that are talking about, you know, drug cycles and stuff, people put some stupid shit in there. And there's, um, you know, people will go on and, and like certain websites that are free and have all these information that have ridiculous, very generic stuff. And, you know, while I was talking earlier, like a week or two ago about this, when I first started, when I was in the gym, there was always a group of guys or one or two guys that really knew their shit or the gym owner would be like a former, you know, NPC bodybuilder that just couldn't turn pro, but knew his stuff. He just couldn't catch a break or something like that. And those guys, if they liked you, they take you under their wing and you would learn a lot of stuff. Like I learned a lot because, you know, I, I started training with a friend of my father's that was very knowledgeable and he showed me stuff that I still do to this day. But yeah. now it's like everybody and their fucking brother is an expert and you go in there and you hear them talking to people and you're like, dude, do you know what the hell you're saying right now? And uh, because, okay. because, ever, because now it's not facts on the internet anymore, it's opinions. Yeah. So yeah. You, just, you take what you can and, and these guys will regurgitate it because somebody, I always say like, don't look at the guy that came in with the badass genetics because they're probably the ones that are going to tell you the, the regurgitated information. Look yeah. at somebody that started looking like shit and they just slowly progressed. Yeah. Time and started looking better because they're the ones that are going through trial and error and going through hurdles and doing their research and they're learning their stuff. Yeah. No, too many people are, uh, it's like you said, they do a show, their first show. They, they maybe place well in the first show. Next minute, you know, they come back and they've got their own clients. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, we, we got that a lot when we, you know, we used to do spray tanning. Colette Nelson and myself used to do spray tanning. And one time we'd be tanning somebody for the first show. Next time they'd be bringing their clients in. It's just like, you know what? You've done one show, you know? It's, it's like where our, our other people who, I, I started a Facebook page uh, specifically to help transgender individuals. Um, okay. And I, I gathered all the people that I knew in the bodybuilding world, which as you can gather would be significant at this stage, you know? Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd the likes of, you know, Brian Pazdish, I'd, I'd Colette Nelson, I'd Debbie Bramwell, I'd uh, Abbas Katami, I'd um, Susan Lombardo. I mean, you name them, you know, Melody Spetko. I had a whole load of people involved in that that were there ready to answer questions for people. Nobody, the participation was so low, I just disbanded the whole thing. Because the trouble is, everybody thinks they know. You know, everybody thinks, oh no, it's okay, I read Muscle and Fitness, I know, you know, I know what to do, I don't need to ask this person, you know. So I, I kind of got like antagonistic about the whole thing because I thought, you know, I set this up for you, you're not using it, so, you know, <laughs> just gonna no, think, click, 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 remove. When was that? <laughs> I <tired> on the <laughs> When, when was yeah. that? When did you have that group set up? That was, um, I was about maybe two years ago on Facebook. I want to say I've heard of it. I do because um, uh, somebody that I had trained once, I think she was in there. Actually, yeah, that was uh, Tepa. Tepa, yeah. Tepa, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was her. And, uh, sorry, wrong pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah she was Tepa. in there. Yeah. yeah. She, would, um, she said, she told me about it because uh, we were actually living together at the time. Because yeah. um, we, I don't know if you've watched some of my other videos, but me, we, I dated her for about two years. Yeah. And because of my lifestyle, she got hooked on it. She went to the gym and she started seeing results and she got hooked and she wanted to compete. And um, she was actually, she would go to that room to learn some reference points and stuff because we were still kind of iffy on how to manage. Because this is, this is before everybody started taking the estradiol pills. So they're still doing the shots. And the shots, the side effects are just ridiculous. You know, if you take yeah, sure. sure. And um, we were trying to figure out ways around that. Because yeah. she could take a shot and it would look like she was on a period for like two weeks. Like blown up. Because it's, it's a evaluate. It's a really slow ester. So once they get those side effects, they stay there for fucking ever. Yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was a pain in the ass. And that was probably the biggest hurdle. And um, I think what we did was because um, either lower the dose or something to where it, she still could get something out of it. But, it, you know, because she was after a while, she was like, fuck it, whatever I got to do. I just got I don't I don't want to look like shit on stage. So, yeah, we took, it, we took it out temporarily and everything started working. And then, you know, afterwards, she slowly got back on was OK. Yeah. Yeah. No, that um, because when you're doing female competitors, the thing you want to get rid of is as much estrogen as you can before yeah. a show. And if you're talking about transgender uh, female, then she's taking estrogen. So it has to be hard, you know, for them to get in shape. And that was one of my um, arguments with 
the with her competing in there is if anybody was going to pull the hormone card and be like, well, you know, that's a guy's body or whatever. Like, listen, you girls are taking shit that probably, yeah. if not surpasses what a fucking regular cisgender male natural is on right now. So I don't want to hear that shit. You know, no, that's what people don't. And, and you know, when we, when I sent you that thing that I did on RX muscle, the fitness view, we, we touched on that too, because it, it's like, to me, I mean, it's like, it's going to be controversial, yes, but, you know, I've given up caring. <laughs> you, you have a female bodybuilder, a female physique athlete, sometimes even a female bikini competitor. They're, they're, taking, they're taking shit, you know? And, and, and every steroid is a derivative of a male hormone, you know, pretty much, you know? Unless you're taking fat burners or whatever, you know? And, and, and then you have, a, a, like, say, a, a male-to-female transgender athlete wishing to compete alongside them, and they're all up in arms, but it's like this person is taking everything possible to suppress their male hormones, and you're taking everything possible to enhance your male hormones. Yeah, exactly. So isn't this equal? Isn't there an equal line here? You know what I mean? Yeah. At some point, does this person really have an advantage over you who are taking all these anti-estrogens and everything? You know what I mean? That's yeah. where I, I have a problem with it, you know? I mean, I, 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 I can't see that as a valid argument if they really look into the science of transgender hormone therapy, you know, and, 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 and look at what they're doing. And, and it's like, is it because it, it, it rattles them? I, I really don't know if it rattles them in some way, it cha cha you know, challenges their own gender, you know, uh, yeah. you know, like, how, how dare they, you know? I, I really don't know what it is, but I, I see nothing wrong with uh, I, particularly on the, the female side that, you know, competing against other females. I, I don't see the, because it's not like she's going to go in there like, like as if you put on a bikini just now and shaved off your beard. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not like she's going to go in there looking like a guy, you know? And, and yet, yet some women up there looking like guys, you know? It's, it's like, <laughs> and if anything, when it comes to the, performance for the physique part like they're at a structural disadvantage anyway and i've even seen um female to male compete in men's physique a few years ago yeah and, uh, you know there it's it's uh if anything it's harder for her because it's not just about like you have to match a certain shape that is more uh favorable of a, of a female body and yeah these transgender females they have structural flaws like in the hips and stuff so you have to you have to take well, we're taking that into consideration, um, like for her glutes and then her outer quads and shoulders to try to give her more of an hourglass or V-taper type so that she could blend in with them, you know, so as far as body-wise, so those flaws wouldn't show. And um, I think we did a really good job. I mean, when she walked out on stage, I mean, she, she owned it. I mean, but to stage presence, you know, with uh, people realize a lot of the, the, the even the, the gay and transgender community, you know, when it comes to performing and drag and whatever, you know, their stage presence is like, you can't, you can't top that. So, <laughs> and when she walked out there, it was like, she you knew she stole the show. Yeah. So that's yeah. um, one advantage that she did have. But um, if people wanted to fuss about her competing, like, look, she's a structural disadvantage and she's, um, and you can't fuss about the hormones because God knows even these bikini athletes take ridiculous amounts. Of oh, I know. It's so ridiculous. There's the, 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 Supposed to be the epi epitome of femininity up there, taking you know what I mean, what you know, provide on or whatever to look harder on stage. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It uh, was... it, but I mean, it's it's always going to be like that. Though. There's always going to be some. But I think honestly, if if I was if I was a, a, a male to female transgender wishing to compete, I think I'd just keep my mouth shut and go ahead and do it. Yeah. Because going to know. I don't think know. I've Most people have their passports and all their ID all changed anyway. So oh, yeah. it's nobody's business. It's nobody's business. And if anything, well, unless you're going to sleep with the person, it's nobody's business. And, and I'm assuming she's not intending sleeping with all the judges to win. So therefore, it's nobody's business, you know? Yeah. Nobody, you know, I really think that because then you, that's when you have a stigma. Because then you make it, then you make it something. If you just, it's like... Um, someone in the transgender community it's like making a big deal of being transgender you're drawing attention to it but as if you just blend in you know there's no you know i i think it's so she just gets up there on stage and blends in or the opposite with the guy just gets up there and blends in 
nobody really needs to know unless they want to make a statement. And that's the difference, you know? Some people right. would want to do it to make a statement, you know? Yes. And, and I, I, I personally don't see the need in doing that, but I, I don't argue with people who do, you know? Because I, I, everybody's different, you know? I would uh, rather see uh, a transgender female compete and place high and win and then people find out, almost like dropping the mic and walking off stage. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, I would have told, if I would have told you guys before, because, I mean, she she's very popular. I mean, it's a, it's a small community on island anyway, but so a lot yeah. of people knew who she was, and it should be hard for her to hide it. And um, I don't know, um, I don't know how the judges saw it. Um, I personally, even though I, I get along with the judges, I, I, I don't know them very close, but I know who they are and I've never had any issues with them. I don't, I actually think the judging's a lot more fair on this island than it used to be. These past few years have been pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, I do, that being said, I do think she should have placed one spot higher. I think she looked good enough to get second. And um, I'm not the first one. I did not say that until I heard someone else. I'm like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And then I heard everybody else saying it. I was like, okay, well, I'm not the only one that thinks like this. The girl that yeah. won, the girl that won was being trained by Dennis James. And she looked phenomenal. Some, uh, a Tongan lady, I think. And she did really well. She looked yeah. great. But yeah. I think Tepa definitely should have gotten second place in that contest. Yeah, yeah. But I was always, that was I like, okay, if we wouldn't have said shit and nobody would have known. What yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's the problem, really. When you go ahead and say something, people automatically start looking at you differently, you know? If you say something before, you're going to get come up for more scrutiny, whether it's just the curious Joes, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know? <laughs> I see a, a bulge in the pants or something, you know what I mean? It's just, but you know what people are like, you know? I mean, it's yeah. just like... It's just like you, you scrutinize more. I mean, I might do it myself. You know, I might like, oh, all right, you can, because everybody wants to see if they can tell. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's I'm like, good. it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be a, a, a circus, you know? So just oh, say nothing, yeah. you know? And then, like I'm I said, good. if you want to announce it afterwards, you know, then go ahead. But to do it, you don't need all that extra attention if you're, you know yourself, if you're competing, you've got enough going on. You don't need all the extra validating yourself to people that really don't matter, you know? Just yeah, get up they, and uh, do it, you know? There was, um, she was going to say, oh, and I, I'm guilty of it too because I've been on both sides. Like, you know, I've been on, I don't want to say the bigotry side, but where I didn't look too positively on it. It's because I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really know much about it until I moved to this island. And then – um, you know, so I kind of, I don't know if I was curious or what, but I was just kind of, uh, you know, where I'm from is, is very taboo. So of course we're going to be kind of against it and you know, you can't help who you get feelings for and you know, that changed everything. So yeah. after, after that relationship was said and done, um, the way I thought about not just the LGBT community, but all types of political and everything just opened up because I, I approach it from a very neutral standpoint i actually look at the facts of both sides before i make this i just don't, don't jump on one bandwagon because all my straight white redneck friends are there you know yeah. so i it being in that relationship like it, it changed a lot of things for me so I, and i i, I wouldn't take even though it was kind of rough i wouldn't take it back for anything but i when when people talk like it's i think i also think it's easier for me to relate with those people because i've been on both sides yeah so, yeah and having been on that side, you see from that person's point of view how judgmental some other people can be, yeah. you know, for no reason. You yeah, know, it's not like, it's, it's not a contagious disease. You're not going to catch it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, it's not leprosy, you know? Or it's not just, a, some people like to think of it as it's just a, it's something to do just to be controversial, you know? Yeah. I'm sure the person would rather be, you know, quote unquote normal, you know what I mean? Then be open to being held as an object of controversy, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the thing which you find out when I started actually researching the whole transgender issue is um, when I learned that it was actually like scientifically backed by like being a brain body mismatch because you know the brain forms in a trimester yeah. early before the yeah. body and that's what happens. When you start yeah. seeing that and then you hang around the community and you see the mannerisms and, the, and, I, and this is it was the same from female to male too because I have friends that are female to male mm -hmm. and you're like you almost forget because you get lost in, in how they talk and how they act stuff. You're like no if this was there's no way a guy could fake this to this point this is too too authentic. Yeah. 
and you start yeah. seeing it. Once you research it, you actually start seeing it. And I've had friends that have hung around and been like, dude, I know what you're talking about now. Like, this is an actual thing. So yeah, it's not a choice. People think it's a choice. Yeah. yeah. It's not you know, a disorder. It's, like it's not up a in the morning and you suddenly say, oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm tired of being male or I'm tired of being female. I think I'm going to, you know, to try living as the, the opposite sex and see how that goes for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a choice, yeah. you know? And it, it's, it's like, some people, I think, have maybe given it a bad name, you know, and and then and then there was a there was a spell like in recent years where uh, it became almost trendy, you know, yeah. because you know, people like Miley Cyrus calling herself androgynous and flitting between one and the other, you know, and 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 then you had I, I still question to this day Caitlyn Jenner, you know, there's something not right there. I the re the thing about Caitlyn Jenner really pisses me off is. When she got that award right after she transitioned, right, and I think the front runner for it was some dude with no limbs that completed all these ridiculous fucking Ironman events, and you're giving it to somebody saying they went through all this controversy and stuff, and you know she was Olympic athlete, famous on TV and stuff, and got trans transitioned, and now she's this fucking hero. Like, why don't you talk to the kids that are getting beat up and stuffed in lockers and shit and being made fun of growing up? And they don't even yeah. know what the fuck they are yet because it's not taught to them. So they, they think something's wrong with them and they yeah. go to explore and they get the shit beat out of them. Like those talk to those fucking people, not yeah. to the people that have been growing up with all this, you know, all this fame and everything and then transition all of a sudden they're a hero. Yeah. And also all the money and resources to do whatever the fuck she wanted, you know, it's not, I remember there was a huge backlash against that and, because a lot of pe a lot of people in the trans community were very against the just the, the the you know the background that she came from and the fact that she had all these resources and she had the TV show I can't remember what it was called now you know and 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 it was like just it was almost like her just sitting in watching these underprivileged people cope you know what I mean with yeah. with transitioning and trying to be and trying to understand about it I I don't know there was just something very and friends of mine have said the same thing that there's something inauthentic about it. There's something, I'm not saying that this was a huge publicity stunt just to get attention because Chris Jenner was getting all the attention and Kim and Kylie and yeah. I, it wasn't that, but there's just, I don't know, there's just something, the first thing that hit me as odd was the fact that when he was Bruce, he said that when he used to do the, his motivational talks, he used to wear women's underwear underneath his suit because it made him feel more comfortable. Now, that to me was a red flag. I don't know any transgender individuals who wear their, their, you know, their, their, their preferred gender underwear <laughs> just to feel good about themselves under their everyday clothes, you know? Because you're still I mean, having a fetish. That's a fetish, you know? Yeah. That's, that's like, and she used to say that she used to walk in the corridors of the hotel after these speeches dressed as a woman late at night and because nobody knew who, and nobody, she got a kick out of the fact that nobody knew that she was Bruce Jenner. You know, it, to me, it's just like, it's, it's one step above cross-dressing to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And at that stage in, in his life, he'd lived 60-odd years. I can't, I don't know how old he is, but I think 60-odd years. As a man, he'd accomplished everything as a man he wanted to accomplish. He could take a risk and go all the way, you know, just live the, live the whole lifestyle, you know, for the rest of his days, which is probably going to be less than 20 years, maybe, you know? He's loved his kids. He's said the whole thing. So now he can just uh, entertain his fetish, you know? I don't know. I mean, I probably get a lot of arguments for that, but I, everybody's story is different, you know? It's, uh, you know, and I was trying not to bring this up, but... No, Matt no, it's fine. Croc, it's fine. Matt Croc. Uh, I, once again, I have problems with that, but that's only because I, I don't understand his viewpoint, Janine Marie, her viewpoint. But uh, once again, everybody's different, you know? I can't criticize another person's choices, you know? But I can question them, you know? Because, you know, as a transgender individual, I, would, I, I never felt any of the things that they're going through, you know? It's just a little shady to me, you know? That I think maybe, but in the, in the initial stages of Janine Marie's transition, she did say, she, she did label herself as gender fluid, you know? which to me is more appropriate than transgender in that in instance, because I heard, and I think you were the one that told me as well, that uh, she is competing as a male next year, you know? I think so. 
and at least it's, it's, there was an Instagram post suggesting that, you know, she did put it up, you know, saying that no, she was going to compete in the male division because she thought it was fair. And I get that, but I also question how is that even comfortable for you to do that, you know? The, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't get it, you know? I, I, but like I said, I mean, I can't chastise and, uh, you know, point fingers and because it's not my place, you know? I, but I can say it's just, I, I, you know, I don't get that viewpoint, and I'm sure she has a valid viewpoint from where she's coming from. I, I just don't understand it. On my from my own side of the fence, you know that's that's all I can really say and be diplomatic, you know. The with with um, first of all, what you said about Caitlin about the when you said the wearing the underwear under the suit, that to me doesn't make sense because that's you're just recreating the, the what a transgender person goes through is hiding themselves. You know, yeah. you got you got a female and a, you know a female brain, a man's body, so to speak, and that's uncomfortable. And so why are you representing that again if anything they would want to wear dress up as a female on the outside to match how they're feeling yeah. that doesn't make that doesn't make sense that could not make you feel better <laughs> you know you're wearing a suit with lingerie yeah. underneath you know? yeah it sounds more like a cross-dressing thing to me yeah right? yeah the um now with janae i know that she had made a post recently and i i, I like her i i've i've spoken with her on the messenger a couple of times but mm -hmm. i do watch uh, her post and she had made she had, she came out as gender fluid and in her documentary she came out as gender fluid and then now she's starting to say well she thinks she's more going towards trans female so I start and I was just brainstorming on it because you know this, this is a topic that interests me I like I like studying about it and uh, it seemed to me that living so long as Matt and you know being a champion powerlifter and bodybuilder and stuff and then finally being open with being who you are, like, because you've been in both roles, you've been in the, your, the male role for so long, and now you're trying to transition to what you feel is correct for you. Like, I think it's just, I think it's just stages of permanently transitioning is what it looks like to me. Because yeah. it's, it's hard to break old habits. It's hard to leave things behind. Like, it took me forever before I finally packed up and left home and finally changed my life. You know, some people, they, just because they've been in it for so long, people don't like change and people don't like coming out of yeah. their comfort zone. And, I think it just, it's just a slow, okay, well, you know, I was a male for so long, now I'm gender fluid, now I'm going towards more dressing like a yeah. woman. Oh, you know, maybe I'm transgender female. That's what it, now I may be wrong, and if she hears this, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying. If she hears this, I'm dead, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> if she, I would, I, I actually would love, I actually would love to sit down and talk with her on it, because I like, I like to be a sponge and learn as much of this shit as possible. Yeah. I, and my, like I said, my experience is different, as I was told yesterday when I said I was probably going to bring this up. And it's not for me to criticize another person's experience, but it's okay to question it, you know, coming from yeah. a different standpoint, because everybody comes from a different standpoint. And, you know, any other individuals I've talked to about that don't quite get it either, you know? They don't get the fluidity, you know? They don't get the comfort being one and the other. It's like, you know, if, if, if you're a transgender male, for instance, you know, because I can come at you with that, with personal experience, I, I, I have absolutely no affinity with female things. So I couldn't just, you know, shave off my beard and put on a skirt and go out. <laughs> tonight you know what yeah. i mean i feel comfortable i mean i you know so I, that's why I, I don't get the comfort but i have absolutely no affinity with female things since the age of talking you know i i had a batman suit i had guns <laughs> i had you know, cars yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I and my mother used to make me wear a dress when i was like four or five to go out and i used to wear shorts underneath it tuck the dress into the shorts and go up the street and play football with the guys. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> I, I recall it very well because I told them, tell your mom, my name is Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and their mom lived like five houses up from our house. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, they know who you are. <laughs> but as a child, you don't think this is, oh no, I'm Steve now. <laughs> yeah. Steve with a frilly shirt on <laughs> and crumpling shorts. <laughs> now, Maybe I should be criticizing people. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, that's um, her situation definitely uh, is unique. And I would like, 
if she hears this, and I would love to talk with her about it and get more yeah. clarity on it because it's definitely a I, I can I can put it together and I see what it is and I just I think it'd be cool to the more validating hearing it from her. That's yeah, because um, I remember. No, I, 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 like I said, in no way am I suggesting she's a fraud. I'm just saying I don't. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just not sure how far on the transgender spectrum. I mean, we have an autism spectrum, so we may as well have a transgender spectrum. I think there. But, I think there is a gender. I even think there's an orientation. I think there's a spectrum. You know, I think there's yeah. an unspoken spectrum where people have a comfort zone. Some people have a comfort zone towards their given gender and other people have an, a, a total abhorrence towards it, you know? And that's why there's so many transgender suicides, you know? Because yeah. those are the people that have an absolute abhorrence to their, their given gender, you know? And uh, I think you mentioned in the prelude that you wanted to talk about the difference between what it was like to be transgender in the past versus the present. Yeah. And I, I think the difference is that um, nobody really talked about transgender even 10 years ago. It's, it's it wasn't like it was something it's not like it was common you know it's like you were growing up and and you were more masculine orientated you were considered a tomboy you know yes exactly I, I, and I don't, I don't know what the opposite of that was because that's not my experience but I don't know what they call the uh, you know a guy growing up that was more into female things you know I, I'm sure it was not you know the tomboy is not a derogatory term so I'm sure they had a no. non-derogatory term for a guy usually that be like, usually be like metrosexual like a guy that wanted to be more effeminate yeah. like as far as looking better and stuff it'd be metrosexual yeah so I mean we had like the, the those were the only labels we had you know and we, we didn't really know the first time I heard of a transgender person I think I was uh, about five and it was I caught it on the news broadcast um, and they were talking about this uh, this uh, man who went to Sweden and had a sex change operation and came back to the UK as a, as a female. And it was in the news and everything. It was the first, you know, out and out transgender, you know, sex, you know, re, re, um, reassignment or, operation. And I remember the day after I went next door to my aunt who lived next door to us. And I asked her where you went to get transgender surgeries. <laughs> now, bear in mind, I was five years old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you imagine what that woman was thinking? <laughs> yeah. You know, this is coming out of the mouth of a five-year-old. Now, if somebody, now, this is the difference, the key point to get back to the difference is, today, if that happened, the aunt or whoever would be familiar with the whole transgender thing and might go to the parents and say, have you noticed anything different about, you know, your child? I think there may be something going on. He or she may be transgender. And, and then maybe from an early age, like Jazz Jennings, you know, things could yeah. be done because puberty is the worst time for any transgender person because then that's the age where you no longer have control. If, if you're a, a, a woman, um, uh, like, yeah, if you're a woman, I'm trying to think of it the right way around. If you're a woman, you suddenly go through puberty, you develop breasts, you have periods, you can't hide anymore. You know, as a, as, a, as a girl growing up, you can, you can basically, you can, you can go around topless, you can dress, you know, uh, you can dress androgynous and nobody thinks anything. But then it comes to a point where your body is developing, you can't hide anything. And the, and the opposite is true then for the, 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 the man growing up, all of a sudden he hits puberty, his voice drops, he starts growing facial hair. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, you, you can't hide from the obvious. And that's when a lot of people, that's when the suicide rate is the highest, you know? And that's when it, it, it would be great if we could, you know, there are people who oppose intervention that young, though, you know? I don't know how you could psychologically evaluate somebody to make, because, I mean, there are going to be people who are maybe just going through a phase. We can't discount that, you know? Yeah. The, I mean, yeah, just like... I was just talking to my friend Colette yesterday about it, saying that, you know, how do you differentiate between a normal pubescent phase where a, a, a guy, you know, has a crush on, on, on a guy, you know, and a woman has a crush on a woman, and it's just a transitional pubescent thing that they grow out of, you know? So how can a parent differentiate between maybe that's just another phase, you know? But it's a very dangerous time to label something a phase if it's really not, you know? That's when I think yeah. they need to involve, like, you know, psychiatrists or whatever to assess people, you know, to see if they really are, you know, before they start to interrupt. Because, the, the, I mean, I, I personally don't know of any transgender reversals, but I'm sure there have been some attempts, you know, people that have had second thoughts and, and wanted to go back, you know? Yeah, that was something I... Back, 
you know? That was a that was a topic I touched in a video a while back when the whole Mario Lopez shit came out, when he made that comment. And, um, you know, it, it, it's hard because, you know, people that I know that are transgender say it's best to, to hit it before puberty, like you said. And But at the same time, you're like, I know others that have been through puberty and they still say there needs to be an age limit before you start hormonal therapy. Like if I had a son and he was, you know, claiming he was female and he wanted to go like, you know, I want to wear dresses and stuff. And the kid's like 10 and be like, fuck it, go ahead. Like there's a lot, I'm big on process of elimination. Like if you think this is what you are, try yeah. it, you know, do it. And if you, you're like, oh, you know what, that I don't like this. Okay, cool. Well, you know, we're going to figure out what's going on. And if you say, yeah. Hey, this is it fine. And you've, and I would say he's like, he's like 10. And he comes like getting close to 14, but this has been happening for a few years. I would probably support the hormone therapy early because not just because of the age, because the kid has been through this for years instead of all of a sudden for puberty, you do it, you know? So that's where I would, and you know, that I, I thank God I've got friends and references to go to, to talk about this if I ever come into this situation. But me personally, that's how I would initially try to handle it because I don't want to, further have any mental damage to the kid because I'm refusing something that the kid is that he cannot, he or she cannot help. And I don't want to lose time growing up with my kids because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm against what they're trying to do. I don't want to waste parenting time that could further nurture that kid into something really good. But but there's this period where they had, didn't have a father because I was just being an asshole. Didn't understand. Yeah. There was a good TV show on in the UK. I, I came across it, I, you know, the, the Android TV box, you know, when you can watch TV shows from different countries. Uh, I, used to, I used to tune into ITV in the UK from here. And uh, they had a, a, a show on uh, called Butterfly with Anna Friel playing the parent. And it was a parent of a, a, a boy who was transgender, but it was like the father was so against it. You know, the father was like dead against it, didn't want to have anything to do with it. And, and she as the mother was trying to be understanding and it was going through, it was hit in the puberty stage and there, there was one scene where the kid actually tried to cut off his penis with a piece of glass in the bath, you know? And that's when she realized it was serious. And she, she was like, I missed the last episode, so I'll, I'll never know what happened in the end. But she, she ended up taking him to a, a clinic in the, in the U.S., to, to get evaluated and treated to help, you know, help him transition, you know, but his father was like, it, it was, it was not what he wanted. You know, he was like this, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a boy, he should be playing football. He should be, you know, doing all the manly things, you know, I'm not going to tolerate this, you know? So but yeah. that was a good series. I, I, maybe it will come to Netflix at some point, like they all usually do. You know, there's only, I think four I, parts or something. I have to look it up because I, I can probably fly. see yeah. Cause, um, I wrote it down. I want to, before we go back into the the athletic issue, I want to, because yeah. because you mentioned it, I want to just make a point to people that haven't really heard a lot about this because when I looked it up and I started looking into it, I was almost, I, I was shocked at how far, how far back this shit's documented. But when um, you heard it, when you were five and you heard about the, the reassignment surgery, what year was that, if you don't mind saying? Uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to think, 1967. Okay, the first actual documented, um, I guess, attempt or actual, I don't know if it was successful, I guess a successful, it wasn't really um, like like a bottom surgery thing, but it was getting stuff away for hormonal. It was um, a doctor had a hysterectomy and gonadectomy in 1917. Mm-hmm. Alan Hart, used to be Lucille Hart and is now Alan Hart. And the thing was, I mean, he had a wife that he met in college, too. So this is a, a female to male yeah. who, who had a, a, a married wife, female. And he hit, I mean, I, he wasn't, like, broadcasting to the world. I think his close friends knew and his wife, of course, his wife knew. But, you know, as, as the community would learn about it, he would move. But this yeah. guy made ridiculous leaps in research for tuberculosis. He, he actually either he developed or he started developing using x-rays to detect it early so that you could cure it or you could treat it before it got too bad because he had relatives or some that suffered from it. And so when he became a doctor, that's what he go, went towards. And he found out that when they can use x-rays, they can find it earlier than waiting for like the, the physical symptoms to show up. And mm-hmm. then, um, and there was a famous actor turned actress, I guess, 1952 that had, that was open saying, Hey, I got a sex change. I'm a female and all this. And, 
Is there it, was that one that the movie was about too with Eddie Redmond. I can't remember what that movie was called. Remember Eddie Redmond played the, well, I think that was supposed to be one of the first, you know, openly transgender males. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of it now. It was Eddie Redmond that was in it. The, one that, the guy that played Stephen Hawkins. I have to look it up. Because I think yeah. somebody else told, when I was reading this, I remember a movie my friend had told me about that they had watched in school or something about that, about the, how early like the first sex change went back. And then there was that one in 1952, the fem- the male to female surgery. But this stuff goes back to like, Oh yeah. You know, they found back to like the 1400s and even in the 1600s when we first colonized here in Virginia, before we became our own country, there was um, an issue with a guy wearing both genders of clothes and they didn't, the way they dealt with it was they made him wear men's pants, but a women's apron because he played, he wanted just so people would know that, I guess he was technically gender fluid. And yeah. That's how they dealt with it. Now we didn't have labels for anything. You know, we didn't have labels for anything, so nobody knew what you were. You know. Yeah, and this is uh, you have the nearest label. You know, oh, I must be gay or something. You know, it's yeah. Like, and if you if you look before we even came here, a lot of the Native American cultures and stuff already had sections off for like third gender and stuff, and it was yeah. accepted and it was practiced. And you know, a funny thing, a friend of mine um, had made a good point that. A lot of cultures that were uninfluenced by outside, I guess, before quote, the white man came, there was, um, it was all accepted and worked into the culture. And then all of a sudden, this religion and white people come and all this Christianity yeah. comes in. And now all of a sudden, it's a fucking abomination of God. An aberration, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, so it, he, he, it's almost convincing that the fact of bringing in the religion and stuff is all of a sudden what made it, what made it bad. But, I mean, and I've done videos on this too about interpreting with the Bible with it. I don't think that's true. I don't think that the Bible says it's, you know, if you if you really look down at how it's interpreted and stuff, you can argue that point. But the point is, they said when the influence of religion and stuff came in, is what turned yeah. it from being accepted to being not so accepted. I remember reading ages ago there was there some some tribe or something, which maybe what you're talking about, where they they had these people. I I I can't remember the ethnicity of it, but. Um, where they had the, these people and they were considered the third gender or third sex or something, and they were celebrated as being special. They were like separated from the rest as being above the rest, you know, because they were they were two gender people. You know what I mean? They were like they were they were they were they were like a, a class of their almost like gods to the, this tribe, you know, because they had their own separate, you know, everything because they were considered to be more highly evolved, you know. Oh, and wow. maybe one day, and not, not that I'm saying that one day that uh, transgender people will be more highly evolved, but I've always said I'd like to see a world one day when people are less fixated on their gender, you know, and, and the limitations of their gender, you know. It's like, it's like you know, it's like, oh, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a man, for instance, I have to be with a woman, and if I have any feelings towards my male friends, then that's, I have to forget about that. Or opposite, I'm a woman, and, you know, and, and it's... What is wrong with, I mean, in my world, it's like gender is irrelevant. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if you have feelings for somebody that happens to be the same gender as you, then why should that be something that you should prevent yourself from experiencing, you know? Why is it such a taboo? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you're gay, it, you know? It just means that on this occasion, you're attracted to somebody that happens to be the same gender as yours. And, and why is it got to suddenly make you gay? It doesn't necessarily, but then, but then by the same token, I have a problem with all these new things that people are coming up with. It's like we have, we have, we have the normal gay is straight, and then we have the 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 bisexual, then we have the transgender, then we have the non-binary, then we have the gender fluid, then we have. I mean, there are so many. I I don't even know them all, but there's like an A to Z, you know. It's like, is this really necessary? Gender queer, and I and it's like. Just call it's it not necessary. Does everyone need a label? You know, just call it a spectrum. I would say just call it a spectrum. And I mean, just like how you can be female and you could date guys and you could be feminine, but you're a tomboy. You you know you go full yeah. and shoot guns. It's it doesn't mean you're you're like <laughs> you're three quarter female kind of male person. You're a female that does some masculine stuff. Like and actually, one of my friends from home, we talked about this because she was a tomboy, but she is not gay. She's not trans. Yeah. She knows that. But you're right. There's, I, and you know, we gotta think though. We're also in this. Everybody gets a trophy world. So every time yeah. somebody is just, everybody gets a label. <laughs> if somebody's a half inch over on the spectrum more than the other person, they need their own label so they can go. Yeah, I know. 
You got to create a new category. <laughs> and sometimes people are just finding out who they are, and instead of going with it to get a definite title, they just kind of, you know, um, it's hard how to say. Like, I think when people finally like move out and go to college, do all this, they try to find out who they are. They they instead of doing that, they kind of start putting labels on where they are in the middle. When it's like, just keep yeah. going with what, just keep going with what you're feeling until you get settled somewhere, and then worry about you know, what you are. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I personally, I'm like, if it, if it were me, I could give a shit what name or title I have. I mean, I would feel better knowing this is what I like. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to act. I don't care if there's a name for it or not. I'm just yeah. glad that I, I'm just happy and comfortable that I know and I don't have to worry about that shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you said, everybody just wants a label at the end of the day, you know, but yeah. then, but then you have the problem. If you give yourself a label, then you have to stay within the boundaries of that label. Exactly. <laughs> so are you really doing yourself a favor? It's like, oh no, because I'm this, I can't be that. You know, no. Yeah. You can be whatever the fuck you want to be. Pardon my French. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, I did mean? that. No, it's fine. It's I uh, 19. It's not 18, 19. You know? Yeah. I, I, there's been times where I, I've seen some people and have questioned myself a little bit. So I, I don't, I don't really try to put a label. But I think I told my friend one time. If it was a spectrum, sometimes I feel like Tom Hanks and Big jumping all over the piano, like I'm like going all over the place <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> because you know, I, I, I've seen I can probably count on one hand the the guys I've seen that I, I've actually had a little bit of attraction to, but I wouldn't say I was gay. Yeah, just, yeah. This this guy just looks really feminine, looks really good, and I'm yeah. I am not insecure. I'm comfortable enough with myself to where I can openly say that and not give a shit about it. So yeah. that's what I'm gonna say. Yeah. I don't say I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's people should I, be free to, you know, people should be free to be, you know, whatever, uh, you know, they want to be in the moment, really, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess the same can be said for monogamy to a certain degree as well. I mean, I have my own views on that. I think, you know, I don't think humans were born to be monogamous, you know? It's like, but that would start another whole argument. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just like a baggage of arguments. <laughs> It's funny how it's funny how sometimes nature and religion really contradict each other. It's yeah. 